Hello, I'm Michael Brodeur, and welcome to Leaders Alliance. We are a global community of kingdom-minded leaders who are passionate about helping you become the world-changing leader that God created you to be. Join the conversation. Well, hello, everybody. I'm Michael. Hi, I'm Diane. And we're here for the uh, Leaders Alliance podcast. And so we're so thankful you're joining us. And we have an amazing guest that we're going to introduce in just a couple of minutes. But as we get started, um, maybe we can just begin with a word of prayer. Diane, do you want to lead us into the presence? And then we'll launch into a little bit of a sharing and then invite our guest. Yeah. God, our hearts are expectant today that you would meet us, that you would teach us and lead us and guide us. We need wisdom and knowledge and revelation and understanding in order to lead our lives clearly. And we want to be authentic. We want to be real. We want to be full of God's love. And we want to to connect with one another in healthy ways. So we just ask that you would make us healthy people We ask that you'd bless Jessica today as she's come to share with us. And we thank you for her, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, it's so good to Mm -hmm. be with you, Diane and I. We've been married almost 41 years. We have seven kids, uh, seven grandchildren, and we've been you know, doing ministry together for a long, long, long time. But anyway, uh, I want to just share with you a little Mm -hmm. bit about what Leaders Alliance is all about, that we really are building a new network or movement of leaders that are not only from the church, but also from different branches of our world. We have marketplace leaders, thought leaders, uh, prophetic people, church planters. And then we're in the next month, we're going to be starting to add a few more of our, what we're calling catalytic groups. We're going to have one focused on the family. We're going to have one focused on uh, evangelism and mercy ministries, but we're also going to have one that will be led by the speaker we're going to introduce today, who is Jessica Tate. But before I introduce her, let me say a little bit more. We're a global community of kingdom-minded leaders who really care about several things. One is the heart of God for this world. We just believe that God, you know, is so full of love to bring his presence and power Mm -hmm. to change the brokenness of this planet. We also believe that God is about to move in a powerful way around the earth and to bring transformation to many individuals and cities and so forth. So we believe that there's going to be a new great awakening and that great awakening will be a great ingathering of people following Jesus. The final thing though, is that we're also really concerned about where the church is at right now. Are we ready for what God's about to do? Because as I look at this recent season, I just see the church kind of losing ground. And I know that that's not God's uh, purpose. I know he wants us to rise up to be the people he ordained us to be. And so that's really what Leaders Alliance is about, is helping to equip and empower and resource the body of Christ, both in churches and outside the church, to be impactful and influential in the world around us. So, Diane? Yeah, we're, we're across denominational borders. We're across all of that. You know, we're, tr- we're not trying to be a religious structure. We're, we're trying to be sort of like a, a kingdom LinkedIn where people can come and join and be equipped and learn, but also... Um, get to know one another. Um, Our chat rooms are sometimes large. 
and people are encouraged to speak their own minds and ask questions and share about their own ministries. And um, you can meet people that way. And, you know, you see a ministry out there or, or a business leader out there that you want to get some uh, understanding from, you can contact them. We're, we're, we're building this and we're asking the Lord for wisdom on how to build it further. But we really want to invite you to become a part of it because um, it's an, it's literally is internationally we have people in many nations and um, the stronger our network is and our web of of fellow cohorts that we can call upon I believe the stronger that will be especially as the days as the days ahead you know evolve. Yeah. So anyway, we welcome you to join mm -hmm. in. And during this month, we have a special open house where you can yeah. join our membership gathering for free and uh, just be a part of some of the things we're doing. We have small groups that we break into. We have prophetic groups uh, on the third Wednesday of every month. So anyway, check it out at leadersalliance.org. We'd love to have you join. Yeah. But now let's shift gears. I want to come introduce on. a dear friend and daughter in the Lord, Jessica Tate. Uh, could you come, come on, on Jessica? Jessica. And uh, we'll have you join us. There's oh, it's so heart. good to see you. Hey. And, uh, Jessica, and and we have had just an amazing time of working together over the last probably, I don't know, six years or something like that. And uh, we've gotten to see her ministry just begin to thrive and grow. She was already in ministry prior to us meeting her. Mm -hmm. But just to see that increase and, and empower, it's just uh, really amazing. We're so proud of you. Yeah, Jessica has been all over the world and continues to be all over the world teaching and equipping. And she's an excellent teacher and orator. But she, the thing that I love is she leads by example. She's not calling people to do what she hasn't done or go before. And she's also um, the best mom and champion for the people that she's discipling because she's She's releasing people into ministry and into just life, health, character development, all of the things mm -hmm. that make for a healthy person, because we've all seen, you know, unhealthy leaders that we can be healthy and happy and productive. Yeah, so we're so happy you're on board. And uh, we also want to say that, you know, Jessica's agreed to be uh, one of our catalyst mm -hmm. leaders focusing on raising up emerging leaders. That, you know, we believe the great cry of the body of Christ right now is, is this not just succession, but it's really the partnership, the intergenerational partnership with the emerging generation so that we can actually bring the gospel in its totality to the world around us. So Jessica, why don't you come on, just, you know, share a little bit of your history with us as we get yeah. started. We'd love to hear, you know, whatever, five, 10 minutes of your story. And then we're going to just ask you a lot of questions and draw on your wisdom. So I love it. it. I love being here with you guys. It's so fun getting to see your faces. Super, super fun. Well, I, um, I'll start a little bit before I met you guys, where um, I met the Lord as a teenager, fell madly in love with Jesus, and uh, started going to doing missions when I was 19 years old. And I think kind of for the beginning years of ministry for me, I was really just missions and youth, missions and youth, and went back and forth to Africa. I always put it this way, like I, um, I found out that there were things that made my heart come alive that I didn't even know were possible or existed. And so 16, 17 years old, I'm praying these prayers, like many of us watching this have prayed before, just saying, God, 
I love you. You can send me anywhere. You can tell me to do anything like, and then I would say something kind of to the effect of send me where nobody else wants to go and I'll do it. Um, and you know, wake up one day in a war zone in my young twenties going, how did I end up here? And the Lord reminding me, well, you said you would go anywhere you wanted to go where nobody else would go. And so I spent kind of my early twenties going in and out of uh, different war zones in Africa and really just uh, building such a rich and beautiful history with the Lord in a place that was desperate to see him move, you know, and uh, if you're familiar with, you know, Catch the Fire, Iris, YWAM, any of these different missions organizations, like something that's so beautiful that you find on the mission field is just this utter dependence on the Lord. And that was something for me that I look back and I'm so grateful to have learned that in my early 20s and going back and forth and seeing God do insane miracles because people didn't have any other option. You know, there wasn't uh, an easy way to go get a surgery. There wasn't uh, just money or any of those kind of things. And one of my favorite stories is actually um, in Sudan. One time, this one little boy, he came and he asked for an orange and we were barely able to feed feed rice and beans every day. You know, it was in the middle of the war and he was like, I want an orange. And another missionary was like, well, let's just pray for the orange then. And we pray for an orange. And a few hours later, a UN truck shows up at the front gate with a whole truckload of oranges, wow. pulls in. And, and he just says to us, oh, we had all these oranges. We didn't know what to do with them. So we thought about you guys and we brought them. And so those oh, kind of uh, experience, good. isn't that crazy? I know yeah. those experiences for me were so formative um, in the heart of the father in learning dependence, learning the supernatural, learning obedience, all of those kind of things. And um, after several years of going in and out of war zones, I ended up in the Congo. Um, we, I tell this story probably too often, but I went through a rough season of war and we just had three weeks of nightly raids. And I came home after this crazy season of war, our neighbors had been shot. We, um, we just went through a lot of traumatic events and I came home and I started having nightmares, nightmares turned into anxiety, anxiety turned into depression. Um, and within about two and a half months, I started having suicidal thoughts. And really within just about four months of coming off the mission field, uh, just kind of lost everything. And so I was running my own ministry at the time. I was super active in my church and then also doing all the missions and stuff. And pretty much all of life just kind of fell to the to the pits. And I think many people, you know, have had these type of experiences where it feels like everything you depended on, everything that you were, everything you found your identity in gets totally stripped from you. And I went to multiple therapists and went to healing lines, all the shakarabas and oil and prayer that you could do and nothing seemed to be working. And finally someone said, "Hey, why don't you just go out to Bethel?" And this is where I end up meeting Michael and Diane, but it's also where within the first few months I actually get healed um, and someone danced around me. All of my PTSD broke off and I get totally healed. And that was now I was thinking about it yesterday. That was eight years ago, which is so, so crazy to imagine that it's actually been that long, but it has been so seven, seven and a half, actually, but seven and a half years ago. So, um, yeah, after that, I landed at Bethel and got to, to sit under Michael and Diane for my third year, worked with church leadership and planting there. And honestly, that's uh, we were just talking about this earlier, but it's where I really fell in love with the church again. 
And that's been what the last few years of my life um, has just been this beautiful thing of burning to see the church become everything that Jesus has called the church to be, um, wanting to train up young ministers and young leaders and really prepare us uh, for what God's doing across, across the globe. And so I moved to Brazil kind of with this same passion. I was a part of a massive Baptist church there. Michael's been, Diane's been several times. And we're a church of now um, over 19,000 in this Baptist church, a massive um, network of denominational churches as well. And But they're fully embracing Holy Spirit. And, and they kind of came to me and said, we want leaders. We want to raise up crazy for Jesus, revival, Holy Spirit leaders that are trained, um, but also just are flowing in all the gifts and things like that. So I've spent the last two and a half years there helping build and shape the culture of this ministry school and also of this church and this network. And man, we've just been seeing God do the most insane things these last couple of years, showing up and um, young people walking in crazy prophetic gifting and seeing miracles and seeing Holy Spirit poured out in the Anglican church and the Catholic church and the Baptist church. And, um, you know, it's kind of, it's been really, especially in the last six months has felt like just acts two of seeing everyone walking in the fullness. And I know this is one of Michael's favorite passages, but Ephesians four, that the, the fivefold would equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And we've really been feeling like we're finally walking into a season of seeing everyone walking um, in the fullness of what God's called them to do. So it's been mm-hmm. super, super fun. And that's, uh, that's where we're at today. I just moved back to the States and lots of new things in the works as I, as I just moved back from Brazil. So. That's yeah. amazing. That's so amazing. Well, again, part of I know, you know, what we've worked together on is that vision you have for training young leaders. And why don't you just give us a picture of what you see as sort of the, the state of current culture, particularly millennial and Gen Z, like where is it at? And, mm-hmm. and, and how does it relate to the church? What's its perception of the church? How is it perceived by the church? And, and kind of give us a, you know, state of the state of the union kind of a picture here you know it's hard because uh, i i always want to give the precursor of i'm probably an incurable optimist um and and my reasoning for that is this uh if you're watching a football game and you already know who wins in the end you don't get too concerned when it looks like you're losing uh you need to you still need to address the issues right uh but in the end we know who wins um, and so I, I, that's why I say I'm pretty much an incurable optimist when it comes to the church, when it comes to life. Like, I feel like the Bible is clear. We know who wins. Um, but if we look statistically, the church is losing the younger generation. Um, you know, Barna has put out some amazing books, some amazing studies on this. Mm-hmm. I, I think we need to be aware of what's actually going on. And uh, I'll quote, I'll quote the one you've been quoting all the time. Michael loves this, this statistic from Barna, which is such a great indicator that the average age of a pastor has grown from 44 to 54. So we, we do need to understand that there seems to be this gap um, in how culture is perceiving church, its importance in their lives, how much it should impact their day-to-day lives. And also even for young people who are on fire for the Lord, how much they feel inspired to be a leader inside the church uh, because we're still meeting tons of young people who really love Jesus, but don't really want to have much to do with traditional church. And they certainly don't want to be a a leader inside traditional church. And those are things that we need to be concerned about. And we need to start asking ourselves some really hard questions and going, okay, what are we missing? 
what are we going to do about it? And if we really believe the prophetic words that we've heard about this generation, if we really believe what God is doing across the nations, bringing revival, bringing in a harvest, then how do we engage this younger generation? Because we actually need them to be a part of it. And so that is, um, it's probably what my heart is burning for more than anything right now. I work primarily with leaders. And so one of my main things is to go, okay, you've, you've given your life to the Lord. You're on fire for God. You want to lead. Now, how can we, and Diane said this, how can we make you the, the best leader you can possibly be that's healthy, whole, walking in character of Jesus and walking in the power of Jesus so that we can kind of score the touchdown for lack of a better term, like bring this thing into the end zone um, together. So, yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you this. You know, the the culture's changed. Society's changed. We're on Zoom right now. Um, The world is changing. We've been on lockdown. How do you, as a younger person, see the geography of the church, the face of the church, the Sunday morning experience? How would you see that morphing and changing over the next 10 years for the next generation? I'm going to, I don't know if I'm actually allowed to say this, but this is a great book. (laughs) I keep talking about it, but it's called the connected generation. The reason it's really great is Barna studied 18 to uh, 35 year olds on this topic about kind of this change in culture with them being the connected generation. So now they're on their phones more than any other generation. They're consuming more media, more news. Everything is coming from some sort of device. Mm -hmm. Um, But But shockingly, um, when you ask them what they really want, it's not to be um, part of YouTube church. They want to be a part of a family. They want to be a part of a community. Um, I would say, obviously, YouTube church is not statistically not doing a great job of actually discipling mature believers. Uh, it, It entertains us. It gives us some really great, uh, I would say you can even get great information, but it's not changing us into transformed believers of Jesus. So I, again, I'm an incurable optimist. So I think in this next 10 years, we're going to see somewhat of a shift. Of course, we're going to keep having media and all of those kind of things. But I really believe that the Lord is breathing on uh, going back to our roots in the church and, and in multiple areas. But in this specific case, in doing life on life discipleship again, emphasizing community and small groups, emphasizing people knowing each other and being connected, because what we're realizing is, in a time when people should feel more connected than ever, because we have a million ways to connect. We have the highest rates of anxiety, loneliness, depression, suicide, and feeling disconnected. So what does that tell me? This doesn't make people feel connected. Yes. It doesn't actually produce connection. Uh, So I think the church is going back to going, oh, this didn't work. We, we see this, you know, it's a g- great tool, but it's not effective in actually producing transformed disciples that follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. So I think we're going to see it. I, I really believe the church is catching this. I really do believe it. Um, I, I think we're going, okay, this isn't working. What do we do? And we're starting to get back into homes, get into small groups, emphasize connection with people, um, accountability, and actually growing people. So mm-hmm. I think. Amazing. Yeah, I think we're going in the right direction. It's just, we're just on the edge of it. Yes. Now, the church that you are a part of in Brazil, they're good friends of ours as well. And, uh, you know, they have a 5,000 seat 
auditorium their stage is like a soccer field basically yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's just amazing but they also have like three thousand small groups yeah. you know and so they've they've also mm -hmm. been moving towards you know big church small church dynamics yeah. and we've had a chance to speak into some of those dynamics that they have in their small groups talk about that a little bit more because obviously we're dealing with this generation where there's a lot of people dropping out altogether there's a lot of what, what some people would call deconstruction going on where people are even questioning core doctrines of the church right now mm -hmm. so there's this sort of trend in that direction but i believe that underneath it is a quest for the real church agreed yeah you know, so talk about what what that reality is you know and and obviously you mentioned small groups what do yeah. you say? i mean you you mentioned our church like our tagline is uma familia to it's it's a family to belong to right, right. and a lot of that shift yeah. honestly was in part to you and some of your advice that you brought and uh one thing carlito quotes from you all the time is uh, the bigger you get, the smaller you have to get. And, and that was a, that was a reality that they started facing, not just among honestly their people, but also their leaders of going, okay, well, we've got all these staff now and even our staff don't feel like they belong or they're not being discipled and things like that. And so we, we had to start going, there has, the bigger we get, the smaller we have to get. And, um, and that's still, it's still very much true. There needs to be an emphasis on small groups. I think one thing that statistically, and, and I try not, I just love statistics. So I try not to just bog people down with all the statistics, but what research is showing is it's not just about attending a small group. It is somewhat about what type of small group. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we do need to get them in small groups. Uh, and that's, that's for sure. It's a connection point. It's a place for people to go, Hey, I know your name. I see you. I can ask you how your day's going. I can know what's going on in your life. But also within that small group, if we're just coming and just doing curriculum based teaching that basically mimics Sunday morning and people can come in, sit there with their book and then leave, uh, it's, it's not going to make as big of a difference. It's, it's, better, but it's not the best, right? Mm -hmm. um, so what we're seeing is this change to going, okay, we actually need to create a place where several things can happen for people. We need to create a place where I actually can connect and people know my name, they're going to follow up with me, those kind of things. Um, I can be vulnerable and authentic with my true self. This is who I am. It was a good day. It was a bad day. I did this right. I did this wrong. Um, I can have accountability without, and as a leader, like this is something we deal with all the time. Your, your victories are glorified and your mistakes are demonized, right? And people are looking for a place where I can actually come in. And when I fail, I can be loved and cared for and encouraged, corrected, but loved, you know, and these things can happen within these small group type settings where it's a place where somebody can fully show up and not hide their sin and shame and have it pop up in 10 years, right? We need emotionally healthy disciples and leaders. We need people not hiding their sins. We've all had enough of that in the church in this past season, right? So I think within these dynamics, when we create these places, uh, like you've always used the phrase destiny incubator. And I just, I, I love that phrase. And I think of that even in the midst of small groups, I've kind of been thinking about like, what is a discipleship incubator? Like where is a place where we literally can incubate and disciple people in a place? And small groups are great places to do that. So when you have some of the dynamics that are happening in culture, where it's even permeating inside the church of some of the things you've mentioned, we've got deconstruction happening, truth is being watered down. Um, we're forgetting some of the foundational principles 
um, we need to start seeing people face to face because those things can be confronted pretty easily within relationship. Wow. And so what, what I'm seeing and man, I just, I get it. So I kind of burn with it. And I, I hope I'm not sounding hard on like tr- some of the traditional things that we do within church, but, but it's really hard to take correction from a pulpit when you don't feel like that person sees you, knows you, loves about you or has your best yeah. interest in yeah. heart. Makes sense. Right. And this generation is really, we talked about this the other day, like, whereas the older generation would be like, that's a pastor. I respect them. That's a boss. I respect them. Um, This generation is more like, that's a pastor. I'm not sure if I can trust them. That's a leader. I'm not sure if I can trust them. Right. Mm -hmm. So they're not so easy to take something they hear from the pulpit, apply it to their life and actually change. It's kind of, if you take about the parable of the sower, seed you know that that's gone in and then the cares of the world choke it i would say the doubts and the doctrine of the world choke it and all those kind of things and it becomes not fruitful but when i'm sitting at a dinner table with somebody and i say listen you know i love you you know i care about you mm-hmm. we need to talk about this um there there's a lot more receptivity to actually changing and dealing with some of those issues some of the doctrines within culture that are confronting i had a conversation with a spiritual daughter a few months ago but she goes to university super liberal university and she's being fed all of these things to believe about gender and politics and and even as a mature believer she's sitting there going man some of what they're saying makes sense can we talk about it you know mm-hmm. so we're able to sit down and go this is what the word says you know this is mm-hmm. what let's pray let's ask holy spirit let's talk about these things so those that all of it is just done so much better in relationship and having churches operate like families as opposed to factories, as you always say. Wow. You know, so many people have never had a relationship like that. Yeah. Even people our age, um, they went to church and they learned and they studied books. And obviously they knew, had friends and went to Bible studies, but they never had someone intentionally pour into their lives. What would you recommend to a young person that is looking for that in their um, in their area. Like how how would someone find that? Yeah. I I did a little kind of study myself about six months ago. I just called friends that are believers, some in ministry, some that are not, but they're they're faithful to the church and dedicated believers. And I've kind of polled about twenty different people and said, "Have you been discipled?" And three of them said they had. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, wow, like, man, you know, and one of them specifically said, I, I really always wanted it, but just never had it, you know, and in her case, and actually in the cases of these other people that were really serving the Lord, I think the main reasons they're still actively engaged with the Lord was they had really good parents um, mm-hmm. that were that took that role for them, you know, mm-hmm. um, because otherwise, we know, statistically, if you don't have parents that are instructing you in the church and you don't have someone disciple discipling you there's little little chance that you're going to continue to follow in the ways of the lord um so you know this is such a hard a hard topic because i always say there's kids crying out for moms and dads and that's true they are they're crying out for it but at the same time they don't actually know how to get it or how to look for it and they're terrified to actually go up to someone older than them and say please like pour into me, take me, you know, love me. Um, And so I think, you know, I always encourage sons and daughters, like if you, if you want someone to actively engage in your life, you're going to have to grow up and have a hard conversation. 
you're actually going to have to be vulnerable and take a risk and go up to someone and say, Hey, I'm just looking for someone to pour into me. Can I have coffee with you? Yeah. You know, and, and actually take that risk and come on, you guys are young, but in your sixties, you know, some <laughs> young person came up to you and said, Hey, I'm, I'm looking for someone. Chances are you're going to go, okay, let me see if I can. And if I can't, I'll help you, you know, yeah. like we, we'll help you do this. Right. Because I won't, I'm, I'm first impressed that you want to grow, that you're reaching out, that you're doing that thing. I'm not going to just go, thanks for asking goodbye. You know, like, no, we'll actually do it. So I always say, Hey, take the risk. Yeah. And, and if they say, I don't have time, which could be true. Say, do you know of someone who might have time? Could you, could you help me out to find somebody? I need this in my life. Let's just be honest. Yes, that's good. You gave some really good advice um, earlier. You said, when you meet with young people, you don't go right to telling them what you think they should learn because you know them. You kind of have a feeling. You ask them what's on what their heart and what do, yeah. what do they need from you? And I just think that that's a great model for anybody um, that's discipling people. But for someone who uh, is looking for a person, what what does that person need from a person? Maybe like if you were looking for a person, what do you need from them? Tell people what they're supposed to look for kind of. You know? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, as as someone looking for a mentor, right? I'm looking for someone um, that's trustworthy, right? That's displaying integrity and the values of the kingdom. Um, I'm also, I tell young people, like, you want to look for somebody who's actually relying on Holy Spirit and not just telling you what they think. Because I, I love the Lord, but I have a lot of opinions that aren't necessarily His opinions. Mm -hmm. And young people don't need my opinions. They need to hear from the Lord. So I'm for me, this is something I love about you guys and the other mentors I have in my life. Like, I'm not looking for people to just tell me what to do. I'm looking for people that I know hear the Lord, that have weathered some storms their life and remained faithful and true, um, that are pursuing the Lord on, on their own on a day-to-day -day basis. They're still hungry for the Lord. I always use character and power. They're walking in character and they're walking in power. So when I find somebody like that, and then, you know, I'm, I'm, I got to find somebody who actually is willing to make time if I need it. Now, yes. I'm not saying every single day I'm, I'm on the phone. I need, I need, I need, I need. But somebody, when I say, Hey, I actually need to talk to you. Can, can I, can I talk to you? Are you accessible? Um, and th those are a few things that I'm, I'm looking for. And I'm normally telling younger people, like statistically, the majority of this generation gets their advice from their peers and they get their information from Google or their peers. <laughs> right. And so it's sad, but it's true. And I, I'm telling them, I'm trying to kind of get them to shift their thinking to going, go to Holy Spirit first, go to a mentor second, and then put Google third or fourth on the list, you know, um, and kind of shift where we're getting our information and our advice from. You know? mm -hmm. That's so good. Well, you know, two of the things that, you know, we've talked about a lot, you and I, because uh, actually for those listening, uh, Jessica was one of my primary partners in building this program that we had at Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry for training emerging leaders in church leadership. And it was a, just a phenomenal thing. We actually had them in a practicum building small groups and planting what we call micro churches as part of that. But there's this, there's, there's these two dynamics that we've been you know thinking about, which is one is belonging. The other is becoming. 
okay? And I know that probably the felt need of most young people is they want to belong. But part of my passion as a, as a mentor is I want to see them become. And, and sometimes those two things can be in conflict. If I get too much on the developmental side, the becoming side, I can kind of make them feel uncared for. On the other hand, if I spend too much time on the care side, I can see them sort of spinning and not really achieving their God-given potential. Talk about that a little bit. How do you, how do you balance those two realities? I just, I love that. I feel like that is kind of the question to answer because I was actually telling somebody some, something recently like every, that I learned from you. You know, everybody's looking for a safe place, right? I, we call our churches a safe place. Our family is a safe place. And then you make the comment. But if it's only a safe place, you're going to end up with your son over 30 years old in his underwear in the basement playing video games, right? right. And, and that's this that's this same dynamic that we have in discipleship, right? I need to this to be a safe place where you can be yourself. Um, and, and I always say, I've got to have two different standards for people that I'm ministering to that haven't decided they want to follow Jesus yet, right? Evangelism. I am in relationship with people that I am trying to pull into relationship with Jesus. And then I am discipling people who have decided they want to be followers of Jesus and standards there as far as belonging and what, what it requires to belong are actually different for those two groups of people, right? So when I'm discipling followers of Jesus and I'm going, I want I want you to know you're safe here. You can come. I need you to be able to tell me when you make mistakes. I need you to be able to tell me when you have sin patterns popping up in your heart or thoughts or things like that. Like this needs to be a place where you feel safe to come and be your authentic self so that we can eventually work on the becoming, the dealing with the issues. So this is the, the part that I always try to realize. And I normally figure it out by asking questions. If you are convinced that you belong, you're going to partner with me in the process of you becoming. But if you don't know that you belong yet, I'm going to constantly have to be fighting you on the becoming part. So I'm in the first stages of getting to know someone. I'm really working on the Listen, I love you. I care about you. I'm available for you. I believe in you. What do you need from me? How can I help? Listen, I want you to know this is this is a place, a church, whatever it is. This is a place that you belong to. And then I started asking questions. Listen, okay, you know I love you and I believe in you. I see something that I think you need to work on. Do you want me to talk to you about it or would you rather not? And then I let them decide if they want to engage in that or not. And then when we start building that trust because we've started having these conversations and when they do something and I go, listen, I still believe in you, even though this didn't go right or that didn't go right. We're dealing with messes well, hopefully. We're dealing with hard conversations well. We eventually come to a point where, like I said on the last call, you're getting a phone call from somebody going, I did something wrong. Tell me that. Tell me the truth, you know, because they know they're confident. They belong here no matter what their mistakes are. They know that I'm going to correct them, but I'm going to correct them because I love them and I believe in them. And that it's coming from a place where I want your best interests. Like, I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm not trying to put you down. I'm literally seeing where you're going and I'm trying to help you get there. Wow. And the problem, the problem so many times for all of this is we want to rush this process. And sometimes it can't be rushed. Uh, it is trust is the equity and currency of relationships. And sometimes we, we I always say when you're discipling, you move at the speed of trust. So yeah. as much as you trust me is, is how much I can really work on your becoming. So wow. that was a long year. That's so good. Mm-hmm. 
Well, that's that's one of the things that, you know, obviously I care about a lot. You know, I developed Destiny Finder to try to, in a sense, incentivize the becoming process. Like, hey, God has an amazing plan for your life. We're going to help you discover what that is and use that plan as kind of an incentivizer for you to say no to the other stuff in your life that's hindering you and so forth. But but the belonging stuff, the stuff that you just mentioned, you know, that people will care how much you know when they know how much you care. Yeah. Um, that's really where emerging culture is right now. And uh, and I've had a number of conversations even in the last month where that's come up. In fact, a young couple I'm working with uh, in their 20s that are planning a church in Tokyo just uh, said to me, well, we're so grateful for your mentoring in terms of what we should be doing. But um, we'd really love a little bit of time focusing on who we are and who you are. And let's build some friendship. And and I just thought, wow, you know, again, I, I take it for granted sometimes as an older leader. OK. <laughs> and so, you know, how have you seen that working in terms of, you know, the generational connection? Because you have some older leaders in your life that are helping yeah. to mentor you. But we're obviously from a different era with a different set of values, not entirely, but somewhat. How does that work out for you in terms of generating that intergenerational connection? I've had to learn it the hard way because, I mean, you know me well, people listening may not, but I probably tend to be more like the older generation because of the way I was raised, the way that I was th think. So I'm like, I'll call and just be like, hey, tell me what to do, you know, correct me, da 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 da, -da. like, let's just get it done. I, I hope you're good, you know? Um, and I learned that wasn't working um, uh, with even interns at Bethel that I had, like I had to have several hard conversations where they're like, I don't just want to list like I want to know you, you know, yeah. and I and and some of those hard conversations for me were I had to start asking questions. You're really great at starting most meetings going. How's your heart? I'm really great at starting most meetings going. These are the 12 things we need to get done today. Um, and so I had to really learn to stop myself, like asking the question, what do you need from me? That's not natural for me. It was something I had to realize these kids are crying out to be seen, really seen, like seen for who they are, understanding why I made decisions, not just telling me that the decision was wrong, but you understanding why I made the decision. Why am I upset about this? Why is that? And then they equally actually want to know me. They actually want mm -hmm. to know you. They yeah. want to know. So I get asked the question all the time, like, oh, why, why did you do it that way? Or what made you think that way? And I'm like, I didn't know you cared, you know, but okay, like we can talk about it. These are, you know, um, <laughs> some of my spiritual kids sometimes are like, how do you really feel about dating? And I'm like, that's none of your business, you know, but, <laughs> but they want to be involved in my life, you know, and they want me to be involved. And this is actually a counseling tactic that I learned way back in, in university was if someone sitting with you having traditional type therapy feels like they know you, they're way more likely to open up. So you share a little bit about your life because that makes them feel more safe to share about their life, right? And it's the same way when we're doing this um, in discipleship within the church. Like when I share my life with you, so I'll often say, hey, I'm going to the grocery store, who wants to go? And that will to them mean as much as me sitting down for three hours, teaching them stuff that I think should change their lives. And they're like, no, like I want to go to the grocery store with you, you know? Um, so they, they want to feel a part of the family. They want to feel like they have access. They want to feel like they're seen. And just like what you're saying with that couple, they just, 
they want to know that they know you and that they're they're important beyond and this is something one of the kids said to me recently that just I want to know that I'm important beyond my ministry calling That's that okay. you would invest in my life even if you didn't think that I'm going to be a next gen leader that's going to change the world. Whereas wow. my generation was like, tell me I'm going to change the world, yeah. you know? Yeah. And they're more like, just tell me I'm important to you, even if I don't. Mm -hmm. wow. And uh, and that's real interesting, you know? I've been sitting, and I'll, I'll let you ask the next question, but I've been sitting with Matthew 13, 52 for a while, and I'm going to butcher it a little bit, but it's basically Jesus says one short phrase where he says, um, a scribe has been trained in the kingdom and he pulls out treasures old and new out of his house. Wow. And, and I've just been sitting with this passage for a while, thinking about what he really meant by that. And I won't go into all the Greek study and all that kind of stuff. But essentially, he's saying teachers need to be disciples and they need to be able to pull on the foundations of, of the faith, the kingdom, the old treasures and the new treasures. And I think this is something that this generation is really looking for too. someone they actually do like when you sit down and go, these are the boundaries in the word. Like what culture's telling you, actually, no, I'm not going to change my met my methods. The the old treasure is still good treasure. Mm -hmm. It's still worth something. The Bible still needs to be read. You still need to be, you know, in, in prayer. You still need to fast. You still need to, like these foundational truths of scripture still need to be applied to your life. And at the same time, I can engage with the new things that are going on in culture without compromising the old. And I can bring some things to the table that are going to help you in current culture. And I've just mm -hmm. been sitting with that, that verse a lot lately. And I, I think in a lot of ways, that's um, even some of the belonging part there is I'm not just preaching at you the old things without being relevant, but I'm not just being relevant while forsaking the old things. I, I need to be able to bring both to the mm -hmm. table. Yeah. Wow. That's so good. Well, you know, a little earlier, um, in our uh, hub meeting, which you came on for our members meeting for Leaders Alliance, thank you. And uh, you shared something about passing the baton, which obviously is ve very relevant to this discussion, you know, because we're talking about, you know, older leaders mentoring you, you mentoring younger leaders. Um, talk about that, your insight on that a little bit and how you kind of shifted that issue. I always cringe a little bit because I know it's something we've used so much. And I'm like, I hope this doesn't offend anyone. Um, I I was traveling with a spiritual mom and we had done some ministry together. I was like right in the throes of the Lord speaking to me about how to empower the people that I was mentoring and like getting some bumps on my head, but really working to do ministry alongside them. So like I would take a girl up and Holy Spirit would be moving and I'd have her on the stage with me and say, okay, um, what's God doing? Talk to me about it. And whereas before I probably wouldn't do that, you know, and I'd say, what do you think he's doing? What do you think we need to do? Okay, come down with me. How are you going to pray? What, why did you pray that way? And we're having these conversations while the service is going on, which is awkward, you know, <laughs> like and people are kind of like, what's she doing? She's just standing there. She's not saying anything. Um, and, and I had come to really love doing ministry that way, watching these kids, 20, 21, 19, whatever, like go, I see Holy Spirit moving right there. And I think this is what he needs to do. And then we would do it. And, you know, he would just move or somebody would get healed or they'd get a prophetic word. And I was loving doing it right alongside them. And then I was traveling with a spiritual mom and we were kind of prophesying off each other. And, and I was like, man, I just, I really love that too. Like, we're just doing it together. And I'd gone to bed and I was telling the Lord, like, I just, this is, I love doing it together, you know? And 
um, I, and I just kind of made the comment like, I don't like passing the baton, which is the analogy we've used in the church. And, and I'm, I'm not saying it's necessarily wrong, but like the analogy has been one generation is going to pass the baton off to the next generation. And something, Michael, you and I have both been passionate about is how do we pass it off? Well, you know, how do we not fumble? How do we not drop the baton? And, and I'd been asking the Lord like, ah, and so I said to him, I just don't like that analogy so much because once the baton is passed to me, that means the person who passed it's getting off the track. And I just wish they'd stay with me, run, run with me on the track, you know, and I went to sleep and woke up the next morning and the Lord just so clearly to me said, Jessica, it's not like a relay race. It's like roller derby. <laughs> and I was like, this is, I, I'm already too young for this. I don't even know. Like, I know what roller derby is, but I've never seen it before. I know nothing about it. So I got my phone out and I Googled roller derby and I looked up, I'm still a millennial, you know, looked up on Wikipedia, all the rules to roller derby. And I was just sitting there being fascinated about this reality of in roller derby, we're all together on the court. We're playing together. We're all with the same focus. We're all have the same goal in mind. We have different roles that we're playing obviously we have different strengths you know and and parts to play but we're all doing it together and um i really think and you you gave a great example which i would let you share because i would butcher it but the basically somebody pulls someone forward right so you go back a little to, to launch someone forward yeah that, right that's kind of in the roller derby because i was young enough to actually see mm -hmm. it on tv with the bay bombers and in the bay area and yeah. and it's pretty much like it's kind of like you know wrestling where it's kind of half fake but half real and yeah. so but in the in the race you know because you have two teams running around this track on the roller skates and one actually main leader will reach back and grab one of the younger leaders and pull them forward and sort of like catapult them into the mm -hmm. head of the pack so that they can actually win on behalf of the team and that means that they're going to lose a little momentum personally yeah. but their momentum actually transferred to that other individual and i think what you're saying about the the so, you know baton passing is actually more captured in this picture yes. so yeah. that's so good and so that's kind of been i had that um that word from the lord just in august and it's even for me it's it's kind of changed how i'm doing life as crazy yeah. as that sounds of going yeah. all right i i want to do things with the older generation. I want to do things with the younger generation. I want to come alongside them. Um, of course, I'm going to hand off the microphone and let sons and daughters preach and teach. But sometimes I'm going to stand right by there and say, listen, if you need help, especially with things of the spirit, right? Because you can't really teach in a classroom how to deal when somebody starts manifesting or something happens or what's God, what's not God, what do we do? And, and so learning to do this in partnership of going, what do you think? How do we, what do we do with this? You know, what do we, okay, are we going to stop that? We're going to let that go. We're going to do, you know, do we need to prophesy? Do we need to, what do, do we keep going? Do we not like, and we're making these decisions together and it's training this next generation to go, okay, now I can, I can hear Holy Spirit in these moments and I know how to flow with him. I actually have a, an intimate relationship with Holy Spirit where I don't just have these lists of things that you taught me how to preach a good sermon how to have an Instagram go viral. I don't know, whatever it is, but I'm actually learning with you how to partner with Holy Spirit and let him do what he wants in my life, in ministry, in the church, in service and out on the streets. And um, so man, I, I think that's the picture of roller derby is we, we get to do it together and, and we all win, you know?
Excellent. And it's bonkers. It's just craziness, <laughs> but you win the race. <laughs> it is and that's very, very indicative of real life, isn't it? Like, it's messy. It's messy. Well, we need to wrap up in just a few minutes, but I don't know, Diane, do you have any final thoughts or words or along this lines that that you want to kind of bring closure to, and then I'll maybe share a couple. And then Jessica, we want you to just pray for us and, you know, just everyone listening to both now and into the future, just a blessing of understanding of, you know, the, the world that you're in. So, yeah, I mean, I'm always amazed that in the word that, that Paul prayed that the brethren would ask that pray that he would have boldness because mm -hmm. he was bold and um, there's a boldness in you um, that is rare for men or women. And there's a courage there. And I think part of it is you're a pioneer. You know, God just made you that way. It's in your genes. Mm -hmm. And part of it is cultivated. But how would you speak to someone to go after their dream with courage and boldness when it's not innately in them. Um, you might touch on your lifestyle a little bit. I know you get up earlier than most people and um, what you do to position yourself to be in a place of service for the Lord like you are. Yeah. Well, I mean, as far as getting up early, I, one thing that I'm trying to get across to this generation is discipline is not legalism. Yeah. So I, and you I need to model that to be, you are, to be able to really good that. on that recently. <laughs> discipline is not legalism. Mm -hmm. um, and so if I, if I value relationship with you, I'm going to invest in it. If I value relationship with the Lord, I'm going to invest in it. And sometimes that costs. So I do, I get up most days before five and spend time with the Lord and I'm in the word, whether I feel it or not, because discipline's not legalism. I'm investing in a relationship, the most important relationship that I have in my life. And that's worth waking up early. That's worth saying no to other things so that I can say yes to cultivating a relationship with him. Right. And, you know, I, I don't ever consider myself a bold person. I always say I'm not bold, but I'm, I'm obedient. Uh, one thing is, is Jesus says in John 14, if you love me, you obey me. I remember reading that in, in my teenage years and it just clicked for me. For some reason, something inside of me said, if I want to show him, I love him, which I do, I'll obey him. And so I don't, I don't, I don't always do things fearlessly. Like I try, but I'm going to do what he says and I'm going to try and do it, you know, to the best of my ability. And I think, again, that's born out of intimacy. If I love him, I obey him. So if I'm willing to, to discipline my life, to say no to the things I need to say no to so I can say yes to the things that are truly important to me, following him, loving him, loving people, fulfilling the purpose that he gave me on the earth, um, then I'm going to have to say no to a lot of other things, discipline myself so I can cultivate, cultivate a relationship with him where I'm intimate and I'm close to him so that I can first hear his voice when he speaks and then I can obey it. And that's, that's my love gift to him. That's my wow. return on all the things that he's done for me, because we all know he's done more than I can ever pay back. But the least I can do is do what he asked of me because he's done so much for me. And I, we trust his heart, right? So mm -hmm. yeah, I think all of us, we, it, it's gotta go. We really do need a push to go back to the foundational principles of our faith. Like it's not for not to wake up early and spend time in the word. It's not, um, it's not, a waste of time to spend time praying the word, declaring the word, worshiping, fasting, praying. Um, mm -hmm. But 
That's so good. And that's what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, around verse 26. He just says, you know, I don't run as somebody who's running in place. I don't, you know, fight as somebody who's boxing, shadow boxing. He says, I, I beat my body into subjection. Like, in other words, I discipline myself mm -hmm. so that after I've preached to others, I wouldn't be disqualified. And and I, I think about the Olympics, you know, we're just right on the verge of the next summer Olympics. And uh if it doesn't get shut down because of COVID. Right. And those those athletes have put their the gold medal first. And yeah. I feel like that's something that you've done, Jessica. You've put the gold medal first. You know, Paul says we they they work for a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. And so again, we celebrate your efforts, your 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 discipline in the kingdom because it's it's now bearing incredible fruit across the board. And so again, and I, I want to thank you for helping us, you know, coming on mm -hmm. board with us in Leaders Alliance so that we can actually shift in a way that really allows younger people to come in and be a part of this. I mean, I'm, I'm praying for a thousand new church planters, a thousand new evangelists, a thousand new missionaries. I mean, I, I would love to see the, the shelves of the kingdom stocked with amazing yes, young men and women true. who are going after God and, and willing mm -hmm. to pay the price to be achieving the outcomes that Jesus envisions for them. And, and, and I feel like you're just such a example, both in your lifestyle, as well as in the fruit of your public ministry as well. And so, you know, I just want to thank you. And I'm super excited about partnering with you over this next season and seeing that kind of, uh, fruit born in the lives of young people. And hopefully there's many of you listening to this right now who are getting inspired to partner together, not in the passing of the baton, but in the, the, you know, the shooting forward of the roller derby so that we can all win the race together. So Now, Jessica's written a book that is basically the story of her life thus far and has a lot of good stuff in it. Could you tell people the name of that book and where to find it? And please? also your website and your social media. So sure. It's oh, a no trial to, all the yeah, yeah, address. Yeah. Um, it's tri trials to triumph is the name of the book and uh, it's on Amazon. It's in English and in Portuguese. You can get both both copies on Amazon and um, yieldedministries.com. www.yieldedministries.com just kind of highlights all the work that we do at Yielded, raising up missionaries. We have a couple of bases and uh, Brazil and Venezuela, working with refugees and uh, impoverished communities, vulnerable communities as well. Yeah. And then social media, Instagram. You know, I'm a millennial. What can I say? Jessica yeah. Tate. <laughs> so I'm there yeah. on Instagram. Excellent. Well, can you close this time by any prophetic word you might feel for what we're doing? Any kind of uh, prayer you want to pray of impartation, and then we'll mm. wrap up. I, I, my heart is always just to say one thing. It's not. I I feel like it's a prophetic declaration and word for us to partnership with. And that's simply, we all know what God said he would do. And, and we've heard prophesied the billion soul harvest. We've heard more than enough pro prophet prophetic people saying about the time that we're in. We see the signs of the time that we're in. And now we just need the body of Christ to go, okay, what's my part to play? How do I engage with it? Because if I believe that that word is true, then I have something to do to respond to it. And I, that's what I think Leaders Alliance is. Michael and Diane, I know that's what you've given your lives for. Um, and now we need the body of Christ to say, hey, we're all on board. Like I am I am a believer. I have been given Holy Spirit. I have a part to play in what God's doing. What's my part? How can I do it? So let me pray for you guys. Yeah. 
Yeah, Father, I just thank you so much for every every single person watch, walking watching today. And I just pray, Lord, that they would have a burning passion to give you their yes, God. Um, that they wouldn't give you a maybe, that they wouldn't have conditions, that they would just say, hey, here's my yes. Whatever you ask of me, I'm willing to do it. God, that we would be true disciples, um, that because we love you, we fully obey you, and we step into the fullness of all that you've called us to do. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you're speaking to them, that you're giving them ideas and dreams of things that they can do to partner with what you're doing in the globe, but also to help uh, disciple and raise up this next generation. God, I thank you that you are restoring the church back to the foundations of our faith the simplicity of the gospel, that Jesus loves us so much that he was willing to die for us. And we need to get that message out to the world and bring in the harvest. So Father, I thank you that the fivefold is operating and equipping the saints and that the saints are responding and walking out in the character and love and power of Jesus so that we can be who you've called us to be on earth. God, use us for your glory, for your purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Love you guys. Love you so much. Love you. And also, uh, God bless all of you who have been watching this either live or in the future. Yeah, uh, we love you too. Check us out at uh, leadersalliance.org. And we're here to serve. So God bless you all. <laughs>